a quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Olesia Korobka. Hi. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. This, this is going to be great. You're super smart and geeky tips for content optimization is something we all need. And thinking ahead so that we're sure that we're ready for 2024 is hugely important. And I know that you have the five takeaways to share at some point. So even if people can't keep up with the geeky stuff you're talking about all the way through, they're going to get the five takeaways. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. You may share my screen now. I'll show what I came, was going through when I was preparing for this talk because, because it's quite funny. So I decided that those are a few things, very little things that we can talk about, and they only concern images. And images are like a very, very small part of content, if you choose. So you might imagine that it's like, like stop sharing. Uh, a very, very... Uh, big big area so like if you start sharing tips you need to go into some basics you need to go into some theory and most people don't like that they say i know all this stuff already just tell me what moves the needle but when you are trying to explain only what moves the needle it appears that only works under certain circumstances with a certain type of content in certain niches and has this disclaimer, this disclaimer, and also has its usage within um, seasons or within some other aspects that you want to consider before you are showing them. So I decided to concentrate just on a few things that are easy for everyone and are easy to repeat and are easy to follow and don't need these background, technical background. Right. And we'll work in most circumstances for most people. That's brilliant. Before right we get now, into yes. that, before we get into that, we look at brand SERPs always, and this is your brand SERP, um, with you right at the top there with your website um, and your Twitter boxes. You're very active on Twitter, so you get Twitter boxes. and see that you tweet once every day most of the time. Is that fairly accurate? Uh, I decided to do that before this talk so that it <laughs> but, but I'm I, I I'm rarely on Twitter <laughs> to be right, honest. Right, okay. So you actually prepared and you knew I was gonna do that. Yeah. So you made sure yes. that it, it would look cool. Here's something maybe you didn't think about. What? This. It says Alessia Korobka on LinkedIn is the international SEO consultant and founder of Oranti, maker of SEO, SEO FOMO, which is actually Lady Solis. So yes, it's given you the description the, of Lady Solis. No, I didn't take her description. It's no, wrongly that, picked up by Google. Exactly. Sorry, and that was the explanation. I was very surprised to see that. And what it's done is it's taken from the list of people on the right-hand side, somebody, in this case, a leader, and put that as your description, even though it's a, a semantic HTML5 aside, which means it shouldn't. And the reason I find that it's, it's stunning that it would do that, because an aside explicitly says this isn't part of the main content, and yet it's using it. And what I found out yesterday is it did the same thing with CaliCube the other day. So semantic HTML5, Google apparently doesn't pay that much attention to the aside aspect of it, and it gets mixed up by trying to be too clever and picking a description it thinks works, but in fact doesn't because it's the wrong person. And what's uh, worse is that it's uh, wanting to Bard also as well, and uh, if you try to ask Bard about me, it generates 
like the same description and uh, from Aleda's uh, profile. Yeah. And oh wow. Okay, so it's it's very. But Bean, Bean, Bean doesn't do that, and ChatGPT doesn't do that. So it's just Google's parser or something with their parser that they're using. But that helps to understand that the parser, like the crawler they're using to pick up this information for their SERPs and for Bard. Ah, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe similar. Right, which would imply that that description is written with Bard. Mm. I'm not. I'd be not sure to do that. They might use the same crawler, but not necessarily the same system to. Ah, but then it would be it would be two different algorithms coming to the same conclusion, which would be unlikely. But that's a debate for another day. We don't know. We've got no idea. It's just an interesting point. Uh, be very careful about what Google's pulling out of pages to show in your uh, description, which is what also happens. CaliCube. You are listening to. Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. But on to geeky tips for content optimization for 2024 and beyond on Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. So, Alessio, what are we going to start with? You said you've got about 150 things that we can do that are all very simple. What do we start with? I do want to start with a totally different thing. We know this search generative experience is a thing now and everyone is talking about that. And what I've likely seen on Twitter and people wondering why when you are doing a brand search, Google doesn't uh, show the pages from the brand website. Nike, Rebook, whatever you name it. So they are showing lots of different links to third-party websites, social media, everything else, but they don't show a link to the website. And so you might be particularly interested in what I have discovered because it refers to you. And um, if you share my screen, I'll show Ooh, it. How exciting. So uh, I've Googled Ooh. your company, of course, because you are like um, a benchmark in the industry for these kind of things, for branded searches. And of course, in your case, you do have this link right here to your website, and it's about page. So Google mostly, and I've Googled for some other companies, like including even myself, uh, who have the optimized about page, like you teach to do that. And I've done after like your wonderful course. So people who have optimized their about page, uh, big brands or not so big brands, they do have a link to their website is the, in this new SGE mm. box without any problem. And uh, Google actually picks up uh, uh, a few things from there. So if you toggle the view, you can see which part is picked from where. And the very first where you are describing your company and saying what it right. is, uh, what, what you do and what the audience is, is picked up very from your website. So it's very, very important. It's becoming even more increasingly important to optimize your about page and do it in the right way. And one more thing to consider, like I, I'm not a web company, but anyways, you should add images to your about page because Ooh. without images, like in my case, it doesn't uh, look very nice. So you want to be looking very, very nice, like in this Colocuba uh, case. Mm -hmm. like this Brilliant. and not like mine so it's becoming so that you are doing all these elements the next thing i will be trying to um experiment a bit i'll be trying to add the video to my about page and mm -hmm. see 
if it works and how it works in this um, generative AI uh, description and the box and everything else. Um, wow, that's brilliant because I hadn't seen that. And that is actually a really good description of CaliCube. And it does show that CaliCube has communicated both to Bing Chat and to generative AI on Google exactly who we are. And it says, what is the CaliCube process? Which is an incredibly relevant question because this is exactly what the CaliCube process does. You build understanding, you convince of credibility, you make sure your content is deliverable, including, as you said, the image on the about page, which I didn't know five minutes ago. Thank you. Yeah, it's important. And uh, even if you don't include, some people might say we don't need the image on our about page. What yeah. I discovered, okay, I'll show, I was going to show that a bit later, but anyways, what I discovered is that uh, if you don't like the image to be shown on your about page, you can include it into your open graph. And uh, ah, okay. th that's what I, here's my web page for my circumference. And it's nowhere on my uh, web page to be visible for visitors, but it's in my open graph. So uh, okay. it's... It's picked up by Google and it's shown that uh, Open Graph is actually very important for Google. And I'll be talking about that in a while. Brilliant. Oh, that was a surprise, a delightful surprise. And I'm terribly pleased because I keep telling everybody the CaliCube process works for search engines, answer engines, and assistive engines. And in this case, answer engines with generative AI experiences is hugely important. And I'm Super pleased and overexcited, and I think we should talk about that for the rest of the show, except we're not going to talk about that. We're going to come back to images because that's what we promised. So what the well, people not all images. Images, images are a very, a very, very small part of the content, so it's not like the the only one thing. And uh, I'm also like, encouraging everyone to experiment with videos, as it seems that Google will be doubling down on those including mm -hmm. different formats, including like ordinary videos such as on YouTube and including those shorts. So that might be very interesting field for experimentation. And also mm -hmm. these boxes, uh, search generative experiences, they're very good for competitor uh, studying, for competitor analysis to see what Google picks for your competitors into their branded search, mm -hmm. um, into these boxes, what links they consider to be prominent enough to be shown that you'd be greatly surprised because You'd never think of these websites that they might have any impact, <laughs> but they do. And that's something to pay attention to as well. So it's not only about content on your website, but it's about content on other websites, third-party websites, profile websites, and other like articles Ooh. and all these things. Which luckily is exactly what CaliCube does. Um, so we're in the right place at the right time. And those little cards that we see are just the same as knowledge panel cards, which we've been working on for people. Um, when you search my name, it's got knowledge panel cards and we're figuring out how to manage those and how to optimize for them. Um, and this just looks like what well, it is. Uh, the generative AI is simply a dynamic knowledge panel. Okay. Uh, Off you go. Like so what Google are we talking has, about? <laughs> Google has certain... You, you may show the screen or you may not show it. I've just tweeted a few points there that make it easier for people to remember what we are talking about and what oh, really is important. Google has certain expectations towards your content. For example, when we are talking about images and... Uh, of course, the content of an image is important, how it looks is important, and the elements within the images are also important. But uh, Google also looks at image dimensions and sizes. 
for example, if you are writing an article or a blog post and uh, you explicitly mock up it as an article uh, or a blog posting or something like that, uh, Google is expecting you to use certain image dimensions and sizes. And uh, usually, uh, previously, they had them in their documentation. I've checked, they've deleted the precise images. They have only the, uh, the precise images, dimensions, and sizes. Uh, but uh, they have still that in Discover. And uh, what they expect, if you want to be in this image tab, they want you to have the image. Mostly, it's four to three dimension. If you are trying to go too far away, from these dimensions. It can be also square and it can also be 19 by, by 16, as far as I remember. Um, if you go too far away, if you are making it very, very narrow and long, or for example, very, very vertical for the articles where Google doesn't expect it, you may end up uh, without any image shown in image tab at all, even if you rank number one for that. And mm -hmm. even if you, uh, like have it very well optimized and it has good content and everything like that. Google like highly prefers the dimensions to be as as he as they expect it to be. Uh, also, last time we talked about Axifa page and IPTC, and we were talking about. So, just to words. come back to the image dimensions, if you can go back one, just one more comment yeah. on that is that you said square four three or sixteen nine, which are the three standard formats. Yeah. yeah. And if it's wanting to show a square, but you give it a 16.9, it will crop the two sides. If it's 4.3, it will crop the two sides. If you if it wants to show a 16.9 and you've given it a square, it will crop the top and the bottom. So it actually crops the images, not always exactly the same on top and the bottom, for example. It will try to find where the important content is and crop accordingly. So what you can actually do in our experience is provide it with one single image and make sure it's croppable, as it were. As it were, but uh, you want it to, sometimes people want their image to rank in the image tab and mm. want uh, it to be shown, like I'll share another, mm. like, for example, I, I was going to share it a bit later. For example, Edge SEO, uh, I was experimenting with images here, Ooh. it's mine. And mm. uh, you see that it's square, despite every other image is um, 16, 16 by 9, nine. or 4 yeah. by 3. Yeah. But because it's very, very relevant, I've made it, you, you see the content of the mm. image. It's in the colors that Google expects to see. It's with the right. content that Google expects to see. It's actually in the size that is right uh, what they want so at the minimum bar. So they have the minimum bar for the um, sizes of four articles, uh, 1,200. So I've made it 1,200 and mm -hmm. uh, put it there. But I made it square on purpose just to see how it works. And Google actually picks it up. Despite I don't have any backlinks to the article, I don't have, uh, I haven't optimized it fully yet and I don't uh, uh, do lots of other things with that. But uh, because it's highly, highly relevant and it's still in this threshold where it's um, square, Google picks it up. It's okay. Right. And yeah. if you go back uh, to the previous the, step, are you the are you the one in the generative AI? Uh, what do you mean? Well, in the previous tab that you just showed us, you showed us Edge SEO. 
Yeah, of course. Yes, that, that was what right. I'm going to talk about. Yeah, sorry, it's because we didn't know. Sorry, I didn't know what to expect uh, when I was looking at that. So now I do. So in fact, what you're saying is it, it works in Google Images and here, and what it's done is cropped it because here it's a yeah, yeah. four three. Yeah, because I didn't provide any other size. So yeah, it's so you don't. Ah, need now, well, to and that's a question. If you had provided it with a square image and a four three and a sixteen nine, would it have used? The four three here and yes. the square image yes, on the other would. one. Okay. Yes, it so would. So it's worth going the so extra you, mile you rather than rather than doing what we're doing, which is making one image that's croppable, actually providing the three different formats. Uh, you can also use image CDNs, uh, and do, they do that automatically for you. And uh, so you, you don't need to store and cut every image and have all the sizes on your server. You may mm -hmm. use CDNs for that. Um, but I just, it, it's an experiment. It's my own website, and do, I don't make money on it yet. So <laughs> I, I may afford doing these kind of things and see what happens just for the sake of it. Um, okay, super. So for, the, for, the for people who don't see what we're seeing, we're seeing um, Alessia's image appearing in Google Images and in Google Generative AI on search um, in the same format, just cropped. So... Yeah, and I'm not even ranking number one for the search, as you might imagine, but I'm in this box. I'm somewhere like very, very low. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, here am I. Very, very oh. behind everyone else. But still, I'm number one for this um, generated uh, block. Which immediately because... brings to mind the dynamic knowledge panel concept, because that's how knowledge panels work, too. So yes, hundred percent. We're on. We're all on the moving towards this idea, from, from my point of view at least, of dynamic knowledge panels. And the more I look at you showing me this, the more I'm getting excited. So anyway, carry on. But I'll I'll explain why I'm number one there in a in a few moments. Ooh. It's uh, because you will not. It's not something that you expect actually. And Axif, um, uh, we uh, in our previous talk. Do you remember? I don't know. It's been. Right. Two years ago, I think. So we talked about a Xif and metadata from images that Google uses. Uh, lately, they explained that they don't use Xif, and might be the case that they have never used it before. It's not clear if that's true or not. Like some people tend to say that if Google says something, it's the contrary, and etc. Mm -hmm. But uh, actually, there's nothing in Xif right now that they might be using except maybe for some GPS coordinates, but it's um, not clear if, mm. if they actually have any like impact on rankings. All the tests prove that they do not, uh, okay. at least at the moment. So because the, all these things like XIF, IPTC, and um, XMP, and other metadata and images, they actually weigh a lot. They um, might make your uh, image very heavy. You mm -hmm. might want to strip all this unnecessary data for your search for the search uh, from these images. So you to make them um, more responsive, more easier to load, and all these kind of things. But mm -hmm. I suggest that you don't do that fully um, because some IPTC and XMP uh, fields are actually used by Google. So in some cases, you might want to use them. And um, 
like I'm I'm using that for my edge SEO image and uh, for everything else. They their impacts is sometimes bigger, sometimes less. It depends on the niche, Holly. It depends on other factors. Um, if you are unable, because sometimes when you are using WordPress or you are using some other um, CMS that uh, strips this information from you or some CDNs where uh, they don't support also the usage, you might want to use mockup because most of these fields that are used in IPTC mm. and XMP, they, uh, they can be used within your HTML5 mockup and you may use that data there. Um, even if you, uh, for example, if you make a test and you try to uh, get some information in a IPTC and make other information in mockup, you'll notice that Google ignores your IPTC information and uses your mockup information uh, when they contradict each other. But don't 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 experiment that on your money websites because you may lose this a bit of trust. Google is very 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 strict on this trust thing, which goes with mockups, schemas, and um, other metadata. So if you try to lie to them, they might um, like not believe you for a very, very long time. Sometimes it takes months to gain their trust back. So like if you experiment, experiment on some other website that is not very important to you or on some articles that are not so important right. to you. Uh, but mockup is very important. And in some experiments, mockup is even more important than uh, the, those IPTC and XMP. If you have very little resources and you don't have that much time on you have too many images and it's very hard for you to more optimize everything and it will take you lots of resources to work with your CMS or developers, just uh, do mock up that. Right. It works pretty well, like all those things, they, they are doing it nicer. Uh, and to come, to, back, edge, sorry, to, come, yeah. to come back a point um, with trust, um, you talk about trust, uh, that's hugely important. We're moving into a world now where Google needs to trust you in order to recommend you to its users, and you don't mess with that trust. It's not trust that you can build back easily. And the idea that trust is something that's easily won once you lose it is false. Would you agree with that? Yes, of course. Because, um, for example, I've made uh, two, for, when I was preparing for my Vietnam uh, in Saigon uh, session, I prepared two uh, pages for events. They are very similar so i've done everything similar on them with the one exception on my saigon speech uh, page i've uh, purposely made a mistake in a mock-up for event and uploaded it to and uh, indexed it in google and uh, what it led to is that my page was nowhere visible in search and the other page i made it right for my ai speech on the, on another online conference and it was ranking number two right under the um, mm. actual event and i've got like 30 clicks a day from that but uh, and nothing from this saigon speech just because of this very very small mistake uh, which might be seemingly small for me but for google it's very very important when you're doing this um uh mistake in a mock-up which they consider very important like for a band for a book for anything else and they Sorry, catch when, on when, that when you say mistake do you mean a technical mistake in the way you wrote the schema markup or a mistake in the information contained 
in the schema markup? Factual. Factual, factual information. Uh, mistake. Yeah, factual information. And, so, it, um, so it's, a, it's a mistake in the value rather than the name of the value name value pair. That's really, really interesting. So I was talking to Jano Vandrell about that and Elisa, who is the CaliQ Pro team lead. We've been discussing this uh, discrepancies between what's in the schema and what's in the page. And you've um, just reassured me. Well, it, it's hugely important to ensure that the content yeah. of your schema corresponds to what's in the page. Schema isn't there to um, override what's in the page. It's there to confirm and reassure Google that it's understood what's in the page. But there are some people, what I discovered for myself, there are some mm. people uh, where they are loyal if you if ah, there are okay. small discrepancies or if they are not shown on the page at all, they let them they let you do that. But <laughs> for events schema where it's hugely important, like how much mm. the tickets cost, or the dates and um, right. some other aspects, the addresses, and it might be a very, very big problem for you right. if they yeah. catch you. They don't necessarily catch you each time. I don't know why. It's somehow the extractor works. But if they do, like you have problems. Right. No, and, and it makes sense. I mean, it's looking, if we look at YMYL sites, events, not obviously not in the same category, but it's hugely important for Google to give the correct information so it sends you to the right place at the right time at the right price. Um, Whereas with information about a company and an about page would be less important because it's less critical in terms of the immediate satisfaction of the user or the trust of the user in Google. If you don't mark up your pages, uh, your event pages with event schema and you have wrong factual information there, it somehow doesn't um, negatively impact mm -hmm. you. That's what I discussed. So they are kind of uh, taking different... Um, variables when they are ranking you and mm -hmm. uh, if you are going to go with the wrong information on your page just don't use schema to mark it brilliant okay so, Con continue this, sorry I, we've we've got sidetracked yeah we've uh we're talking about one markup is point five is also important ah, sorry go ahead why markup is really important, and it's one of the cases because I'm nowhere ranking on this page. I'm not number one. I'm somewhere below. And uh, why does Google take my uh, website to be number one in this uh, result? Do you have any idea? No, but you're going to explain it to me. Uh, so it's not because of an image. Uh, it's also not ranking number one. Uh, the mm, Trick here is in metadata that I'm using on this web page, mm. and metadata is markup, and it's very, very easy to see why Google prefers marked up pages over those that are not. And uh, this specific term was marked up by me as a definition term. So Google, when crawling the page, picked it up and used it, even right. though I'm not number one for the so like so, uh, it might work differently after some time but right now it looks like that and what and, you mean uh, by metadata is schema markup html5 tag no 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 not schema right. html5 tags at this, oh, HTML5 at this tags. Uh, and, and that that's interesting because the example earlier on with the aside is that google's not paying attention to a size at all and completely ignored it and other semantic html5 metadata it does pay attention to uh, you should look into the um, 
what they are saying. For example, John Mueller for a side attack uh, told that they are thinking, I don't remember, I won't be able to give you a link, but he once mentioned on Twitter that they um, treat a site as a part of the content. Ah, okay, super, didn't know that. In Google, in Google. And uh, somehow he referenced Web3, or mm, not, not Web3, but uh, W3C, Standards, mm -hmm. though we know that Google, when crawling, uses uh, what WG standards. But uh, that's some, something to look into again. Okay. But I think that for a site, Google considers that part of the content, actually, uh, because many people use it wrongly. And also uh, the figure, for example, the tag figure, which should not be uh, the many people put images into figure tag. So mm -hmm. Google has to find a way around to treat it as a part of the content anyway. Yeah, and Google and has a huge problem of putting so many people using things wrong that it has to um, mitigate for that. So what about context and basic stuff? Most important. When, and we've left the most important to last. Yeah, because, because it's basic, you know. When you're saying something very, very basic, people go, oh, like, come on, I know this yeah. thing. But... But usually when you try to audit something or your website or other websites, you see that the context and basic things are not usually done and uh, that's usually the problem. So if there's only one thing that you might remember from anything we were talking about today is that the context and basic stuff are playing the biggest part in the optimization process, be it images or text. So that taking your keywords, taking your entities into alt tags when we are talking about the images and uh, taking your uh, text and important text elements, right. phrases and keywords and entities into these um, tags like H1, H2 and uh, into um, Google. Some, some people also mock up their content uh, with um, internal links, A tag. ATAC right. is also very important for ranking this very page. So you might find out situations when you are putting a text and link to another website and your page starts ranking for the term that you put into this ATAC. And uh, yeah. like if, if you're trying to rank another page for that term, that might be not always the best use. Right. Okay. Of doing that. So links. It's links, also a ranking factor. Uh, links are super, super important. Um, internal links in particular. And, and you're talking here about and text, on and text. I'm I'm text. I'm talking about here about the um, A tags, not about like internal links or some links, but uh, the. What do you mean by uh, A tags? Tag. Sorry, that's not clear for me. A tag. Like HTML tag A. H yeah, which, which is a link. Yeah, yeah it might be a link, but you may link to this very page where you are at to enhance uh, right. the ranking signal. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so the A tag for me, I was just thinking link, and apparently there's a distinction that I don't necessarily understand, but that's the point. We actually, we're running out of time really quickly. Okay. This is the last question, which is, for me, the most important is how does content optimization, in this context, image optimization, help with branded search? Uh, like you are doing all the things that will help you to rank higher and to be presented uh, in Google the way you want to be presented. And uh, just it impacts directly how Google perceives you and what we 
we're talking about today clearly demonstrates the cold concept. Brilliant. How Google perceives you, how it presents you, absolutely perfect. That was brilliant, Alessia. Thank you so much. And the thing is, I know with that long list we saw, and I also know because I know you, that there were about a gazillion other things you could have shared. Uh, unfortunately, the show is only 30 minutes long. We'll have to have you back for that. Now we're going to present next week, which is Jason Davis, Pretty is Easy, Smart is Hard. Jason is delightful. He has the same first name as me. Uh, Two Jasons on screen at one time might seem scary, but he's such a lovely chap and he's so smart. It's going to be an absolute delight. Could you possibly pass the baton, Alessia? Uh, Jason is also one of the co-founders and CEO of Nog Brand, digital advertising energy, uh, as agency, sorry. And he also has a wonderful podcast. And uh, it is one of the best podcasts by the version of such ancient channels, as far as I remember. So uh, pretty yeah, it's easy, smart, it's hard. It would be interesting putting this button. Brilliant. Oh, sorry, shall I let you do it physically? There you go. Oh, hang on, I've got this wrong. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I have on my cup. Uh, yeah, pa pass in the cup. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no. this week it wasn't passing the baton. It was passing the cup from Alessia to Jason. Thank you so much, Alessia. That was brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Oh, great. Goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Alessia. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, Serp.